like wake up to this church to this city like wake up and so I'm looking in scripture and um in Ephesians 5 is highlighted to me and it says wake up O sleeper rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you and then I read on into the next verse and it says be very careful then how you live not as unwise but as wise making the most of every opportunity and I felt like the Lord was just saying this is an opportunity this morning this is an opportunity he's giving us a chance to encounter him to experience him to have breakthrough in our lives to just be in his presence this morning and so I just I speak this with like the fear of the Lord that we that we position ourselves this morning as not as the unwise but as the wise making the most of every opportunity and so God right now this morning we just choose to position our hearts come on to position ourselves for this opportunity for this moment God I ask that you would just come and encounter every single one of us every single one of us God God, we don't care how you do it or when you do it. I don't care if it's in the bathroom. I don't care if it's in the mother's room. I don't care if it's in the parking lot or right here in the sanctuary. Just show up. Just show up and wreck our lives for the better. Have your way this morning, God. Have your way this morning. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen, huh? Amen, huh? Wow, 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 wow. No, nope, we're, we're done, Bob. Oh, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. This, this morning during my prayer time, I was praying almost exactly the same words that you were praying right now. Exactly the same words. That, Lord, that you would come and that you would minister and that you would touch every one of us. But most of all, I said that we would allow you to touch us and minister to you. Well, would you just turn to somebody near you and say, today's your day. Today's your day. Never the same. Just touch somebody and say, never the same. God is good. God is good. If you're a guest with us, thank you for being here. Um, if you're a child and you'd, and you'd like to go and be a part of what they're doing um, in the children's wing, you're welcome to do that. You're also welcome to stay. Um, normally when I'm preaching, you'd be like, Whoosh, but I, now the children are going to stay because Tracy and Andrew are here. So that's cool. That's all right. Um, Yeah, yeah. Do I have do we have an announcement video this week? Maybe that's that's that'd be all right. Good morning. Welcome to Spirit of Life Church. If you're a guest with us, please fill out a connect card located in the center of your bulletin and hand it in to an usher on the way up. Be sure to stop by the Welcome Center. We have a gift for you and we would love to connect with you and your family.
January 21st marks the end of our fast. This is a Sunday evening and we will be having a breakthrough prayer service at 6 p.m. with childcare provided. We would love to see you there for this time of intercession. Also January 21st, we'll be resuming our connect groups. Be sure to stop by the Welcome Center and sign up at the tables. There will be clipboards with various groups, or you can continue on in the previous groups that you had started in the last semester. We would love to see you there. January 28th, the president of Open Bible Churches, Randall Bach, will be coming on Sunday morning to speak to our church and share his heart and vision. Be sure to come to the special service for a time of refreshment. Saturday, February 10th at 11 a.m., we're having a church Valentine's Day potluck. See Misty Vots for details and be sure to bring a main and a side dish. We'll see you there. Saturday, February 10th from 5.30 to 8.30, we will be having a date night fundraiser with the youth group. See Jen Hoon for details. Today after worship in the conference room, we will be doing our second Discover track. If you did not complete the first one, still feel free to join in. Thank you so much for coming to Spirit of Life this morning. Enjoy the service. And, and actually, I was just going to make an executive decision on Discover Track that we were just going to not do it today so you can stay in here and you'll be all right. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh, ushers, why don't you guys come and, and we'll pray over tithes and offerings. My wife just told me, I, I, I'm trusting her this is true, that Nebraska means flat water. And so stir the waters, God. Oh, man. So I just, I just met you, and you're a Nebraska man. In fact, uh, my friend Mitch over at Grace, we meet um, like pretty much every week, and we encourage each other. He's like my big brother because he's older, like, um, and I remind him of that, that he's, that he's older than me. And, um, but he, so he texted me last night, and he said, he, said, he said, Jonathan, I hear a bunch of Grace people are coming over to your church. Just make sure you take a head count and collect their offering. And I said, all right. I said, all right, we'll do We'll do that. We'll do that. <laughs> but it sounds like you've got a you got a cheering cheering squad over here. Holy Spirit, um, just just work through Tracy this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. He uh, he interns with um, Steve Backlund. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's uh, out at Bethel, one of the senior leaders. And uh, it's interesting. Um, Steve Backlund's interns end up like ministering to our church in Grace. We've had, I don't know if you guys have ever met Ahab El Hindi or um, Stephen Ruth Moore and, and now Tracy Rice. And, uh, and then he brought a friend, uh, Andrew, and you're going to love to hear from him. So our house is your, your house, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. You know, you know when you meet people and, um, man, you just really like them and you feel like you've known them for a long time. That's how I felt with these guys when I met them on Thursday. I felt like, hey, I think we're family or something and um, just have enjoyed. I've been really looking forward just to hanging out. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I am originally from uh, Nebraska and uh, about two and a half years ago, my wife and I left. We were on staff at a church in Omaha and uh, left there and God directed us to go out to uh, Bethel to do school, and we're actually in our third year and just radically changed our lives, um, even after being in ministry for so many years, to go back and just have our hearts really reworked. And uh, so we're just, we're just enjoying 
um, just relaxing and being in God's presence. And, um, you know, it's, I was going to say, a lot of times when people hear Tracy is going to come and speak, um, they wonder, who is she? And um, so I've always been a man, and I am a man. So I just, just, just to clarify and make sure you know that, but um, <laughs> I, actually, I actually went to school down at Aurora, Nebraska, and my first uh, ministry position was in North Platte, and I was in Hastings for a time, and so my blood is red. It, is, it runs red, so hallelujah. Um, hey, we wanted to... Um, there's, there's just, uh, there's something significant happening here. Um, we, we had had a sense of that in the spirit before we came, but just being here among you, it's like the volume is turned up really high on that sense of there is something unique um, happening in your family here. And um, it's, um, take note of it. Take note and, and begin to anticipate and get your hopes up that this is not going to be as usual. It's not going to be a usual year for you. That this year is, uh, um, you're going to, without, without working harder, actually more is going to happen. And uh, we, just, we just declare that. And this morning, one of the things that we wanted to just go after is actually in the area of healing. Um, Andrew and I both, Andrew's second year, and I'm going to let him come. Why don't you come on up right now? Andrew um, and I both have had the opportunity of serving in the healing rooms out in, in Bethel. And um, I used to do a lot of wish prayers. Lord, I just, I wish you'd do something with this person or with this situation. But there was not a confident expectation, which is what hope is. But just getting a chance to be in the healing rooms where every week you're seeing miracles happen. Um, there was one one Saturday morning, I just had this burning sensation right there. And sometimes um, God will actually give you words of knowledge through what you experience in your own body. So I was having this burning sensation. And I turned around and there was a woman standing there. And I just said, I am sensing this burning right here. Is there something happening right there? And she goes, actually, I have breast cancer and I have a tumor right there. And I said, we're going to just pray. And so the team that I was with, we just began to pray, and instantly it dissolved, and God totally healed her. Yeah. And, you know, when, when you experience that, all of a sudden you go, hmm, maybe God does want to heal people. You know, it's just like you start to build a history with God, and your confidence starts to build. And I'm going to have Andrew share a story, actually. This guy carries an anointing for healing. He carries a heart of evangelism and just just bringing those two together and uh this is not this is not a story of long ago this just actually happened when we were flying down on wednesday so go for it hey guys huh okay (laughs) Uh, my name is andrew Steele. i know we've met a few of you over the weekend um at the focus first conference but yeah it's a huge honor for us to be here um my blood also runs red but uh, North Carolina, Wolfpack Red. So <laughs> uh, I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina. I went to NC State. Um, so, but it's a pleasure to be here. My dad's from Indiana and a bunch of family from the Midwest. So uh, I've never been to Nebraska yet. So it's been fun just to be here this weekend. And uh, 
Yeah, we're going to go over some other things, uh, go after some things soon. But yeah, R Tracy and I really felt like God wanted to do this. And at first we thought maybe later, but we really felt this burning that, that God, even before we start uh, going after fear and stuff that we're talking about, he wants to heal people now um, and before, yeah, to start off the service. And um, yeah. <laughs> I just felt, just even before we came into this church, that you guys are actually, and, and before I tell this testimony of what happened, and uh, just on our way here, and, and God's been healing people this entire weekend uh, in Nebraska, all over, whether we're in Omaha, or even coming, making our way here, um, or even last night, uh, God's just uh, going after healing his sons and daughters, and uh, I just really felt that this church is, is a church of, of ignition, that you guys are igniting this region, um, and that you're initiators. And uh, um, a part of that, uh, God brought me straight to Acts 9, where Peter uh, goes. It says that um, he goes down to, uh, to Lydia. So he's going to, down to a place, and, and a man that had been paralyzed for eight years gets healed. And when the rest of the town sees that this man who had been paralyzed for eight years and bedridden when they see him walking around, it's, the Bible says the entire population came to the Lord. The entire population came to the Lord. And, and God's saying that you guys are a church of ignition, that when people see people not just healed in the physical, but whole hearts, people healed emotionally and walking in the fullness of God, people are going to see that in this region, and the entire region of Kearney is going to come to the Lord. So, <laughs> yeah, we just released that over you guys. And um, just on the way here, we are, we are traveling, and uh, Jonathan asked to share his testimony, so maybe you guys that were at the Focus First Conference heard it. Um, but uh, yeah, I've just been the Lord's really been speaking to me out of uh, just just coming from a place of overflow of love, that that you're not constantly looking to to see miracles and see things happen, but you're looking to to love the person in front of you. And and uh, and we were we were flying on our way here from California just on Wednesday, and uh, we are stopping in. Uh, we had a layover for our before our last flight to Omaha. We were, we were in Denver, and uh, we were just walking through the airport, and, and we're with our team. The other two team members are uh, with Steve and Wendy at Grace this morning, and, and we were walking, and, and Trace like, hey, let's make it to our gate first. We don't have too much time, and then maybe if we have enough time, we can go get a coffee. And as we were walking to our gate, we were in the terminal. I don't know if any of you have been in, in Denver airport, and there's a southwest uh, counter, these two... Uh, um, two workers for Southwest were standing there and they were handing out credit card applications. You know, if you sign up for the Southwest credit card, you get 50,000 points. And we were walking by and, and I see both of them and this, uh, um, this woman just gets high. I just feel, as we're walking by, I just feel this compassion, this, uh, this love for her as we're walking by. And I wanted to be honoring of Tracy and I just felt like I was supposed to stop. But we're like, okay, let's just keep going. We're, we've got to make it to our gate. And we get there and Tracy's like, actually, you guys do have time. Why don't you guys go get a coffee? Um, or get some food, and as we're going back, me and another team member, we just go up to the woman, and um, and there was, I didn't have any word of knowledge or a prophetic word from the Lord or anything crazy. I just felt love, in, you know, insane amount of love and compassion for her. So we just went up and talked to her, and she's trying to sell me, uh, you know, the credit card thing. We'll just take a couple minutes, just do it real quick. And uh, and I said, hey, yeah, we're just talking, and I said, this might sound weird, um, this might sound crazy, but I just felt like, as we were, I just really feel God's love for you a lot, and, and instantly, you can see, you know, kind of caught her off guard, and, uh, and I said, I want to know, I feel like God was saying that you have pain in, in both of your legs, like in your knees, um, is that true? And she said, and her eyes got really big, and she said, how do you know that? 
And I said, yeah, I don't, I don't know that. God, God was telling me about that, and he, and he loves you. And he, um, if, it, if you'd be comfortable, um, I know you're at work, but we'd love to pray for you. And, and, and she said, she said, yeah, I'd really love for you to pray for my legs. And so she said, come with me. And she like, kind of pulled me away from the table while her other worker was selling credit cards. And uh, I, I just started praying for her. And I said, you know, at any moment, let me know. I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. I know we're at your workplace. And she's like, no, that's why I want to come over here because my boss might be coming. But please, 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 play real quick. And so we're praying for her. And she's just, you know, standing there, like, looking around. And I'm praying for her knees. And uh, as I'm praying for her knees, I just feel God say, yeah, and what about their stiffness in her feet? Um, and I said, yeah, are, you, are your feet stiff? And, and she's like, how do you know that? She said, my feet hurt so bad that I was actually not going to come to work today, but I don't have any more days off, and I was going to call in and to ask off of work. And I said, well, that's not okay. We're going to pray, and, and that pain's going to go away. And, uh, and she hadn't been feeling anything yet in her knees. You know, she's like, it, it feels good. I feel peace, but I don't feel anything. And I said, okay, let's well, just pray for your feet. And as we prayed for her feet, all of a sudden she says, what is that? What is that? My feet are on fire. What is that? And she said, my feet are like so warm right now. And, and I, we just kept praying. And she literally started, she started jumping. I'm like trying to pray for her feet. And she starts moving. And she's a, she's a bigger African-American woman. And, and she starts making a lot of noise. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and she's looking over at her boss. And she says, what is this heat? What is this heat? And I said, that's Jesus. He's healing you right now. And she starts yelling. And and I said, well, how do you feel? She said, there's no more pain in my feet. And she literally starts running up and down the terminal. And when she, a minute ago, <laughs> yeah, thank you, Jesus. A minute ago when she was afraid of, you know, she wanted to be respectful of her boss. Now she's running down in front and she's literally screaming, everyone, I just got healed. I just got healed. I just got healed. And we're right in front of Brugger's Bagels right there in the terminal. And, uh, and it was just amazing. I talked to her after, and, and she was so excited and so touched and, and tearing up and crying that, uh, you know, before this, she had never, you know, she grew up in the church, but she didn't know that God was still healing. And, and for her just to see that happen at work, she just felt so loved, and, and we got to share with her. So, Okay. Yeah. So the testimony, a testimony is actually a prophecy that says do it again. The testament of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. And so he's just, he just prophesied to you that God is healing and wants to heal again. And uh, just as we're here this morning, um, I believe that God wants to do some significant changes. And God loves to heal people. It's not all right. Like he said, it's not all right that things are not healed in our body. So we're going to just go after that. There's a few uh, just things that God spoke to me, and uh, we're just going to throw them out, some words of knowledge as far as healing. And then I'm going to um, let Andrew um, just kind of declare healing, and uh, God, God's really put something on him for healing. So um, in just a minute, I'll share some things, and then we're going to have you stand if any of this applies to you. Um, I, I got the, uh, the words adrenal gland. I'm not sure exactly... Um, Dr. Dr. Bob can help me understand exactly all of that, but um, if, if there's something um, connected to your adrenal gland, um, God's healing that this morning. Also, um, in the area of back, I saw um, there was something from a, a, like a fall or an accident that went up across the back of your, like your, um, your back up into your shoulder. Um, digestive issues and I actually heard imbalance that there's something um, out of balance in your digestive system 
and that God is healing and bringing that back into balance this morning. Um, headaches. I, uh, there's, there's somebody that has uh, consistent headaches, and it's actually connected to your job that there, it requires you reading or um, looking at computer screen, and it's, it's actually activating headaches in you, and that God is going to bring freedom to your, um, to your body so that that's no longer an issue, that it's even at times hard for you to, to do your job just because of headaches. Um, I, I saw a child crying. And um, there, there is something, I, I don't know if it's in the stomach or whatever, and maybe the child's in the nursery, um, but a child that um, has been dealing with some, some pain and it's causing uh, the child to have to cry a lot and even at night keeping the child up. And so um, we just um, believe in for complete restoration of that little body. And then one more, and then I'll let Andrew fire away. Um, really believe... Um, I just feel a lot of compassion of the Lord on this. That there's, there's somebody who has, you've had a concern for your memory. And that um, it's, it's actually begun to create some fear in you that your memory isn't what it used to be. And it's really been a place where the enemy has set up camp and um, is, is a place where the enemy's lying to you that you're going to lose your memory completely. And I just, um, I declare today that that fear ends, but also that you, all the days of your life, till you take your last breath, will be active in your memory and that things that uh, you used to forget, you won't forget anymore. And uh, so we're just going to believe for healing for that. In just a minute, we'll have you stand. But Andrew, just any of the things that you have. Yeah. Wow. Um. Yeah, and when he was saying just these words of knowledge, uh, this is just things that God's just, just out of his love is just telling us, you know, while even before we came here or, or just during worship. And um, there's something on that I have written right here also. Tracy can see just headaches, that thing he was talking about with headaches. I, I feel God is healing. And even right now as we're sharing these words of knowledge, there's no, there's no formula in the words, but I believe God's healing just just the fact that God's speaking to someone else and, and releasing this word, that's how much he cares about you. Don't be surprised if you're healed right now as we're releasing these words. But someone in here, God is healing headaches, um, that you have a constant like pressure in your head, what Tracy was saying about the work thing, but also someone that um, the pressure is going to be lifted off your head, that you, you constantly have this like maybe sinus headaches a lot. Um, uh, I, also, I also saw someone's fingers, uh, like arthritis in the fingers um, that are really stiff. And God's gonna, God's gonna heal your fingers. Um, I, I saw pain resulting from surgery complications, uh, specifically. So p- someone in here, um, or maybe multiple people that had surgery and is experiencing still pain um, and results from complications in the surgery. I, I specifically saw like the back, whether it's your um, organs back here or some type of surgery on the, on on your backside or on your side here, um, and then also. Uh, Lastly, uh, back pain. Uh, I felt just uh, peop- maybe someone in here that has scoliosis or who had scoliosis and, and just believes that's a condition that that's not going to be straightened out. Just a, tes- a quick testimony of someone we just saw, a woman, um, 
just just a couple weeks ago that had uh, that had scoliosis and and it took a lot of courage for her to stand up and and uh, and we prayed for her and 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 she was never able to even like bend past here and she had a, you know two precious little daughters with her and and her daughters come in from daycare and see their mom bending all the way down and touching her toes and their kids were like mommy mommy what happened and and she's like Jesus just healed my back and her scoliosis had had went from you know totally sideways to straight so. Uh, if there's anyone in here that has back pain uh, or scoliosis, God, God wants to do that again. So, um, yeah, if there's any of those things that he listed or, or even something else, if there's something you're contending for, but um, we'd love for you guys just to, to, to stand up right now. Yeah, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, we're going to pray in a second, but uh, even just taking that courage to stand up, just, just whatever that pain was or whatever, any of those things we listed, just notice where the pain is at now um, or what you can't do. And, and after we pray, uh, uh, you're going to realize that you could do more than you could do before. That, that pressure or whatever it is is going to be different. Um, and I'm just going to ask for the people that are around you right now um, to just lay hands uh, on the people that are around you and um, if it's something that you're, you're comfortable with, we're going to take two seconds. Just tell the person if it's something that you want to keep, you know, if it's private, just tell them that's fine. But if you're comfortable, just share really quick, two seconds, you know, what, what the issue is and what you're, what you're believing God's healing right now. You can just share that with the person. Okay, and what I'm going to have you do is just pray. And it doesn't have to be a lengthy prayer or anything. Jesus, a lot of times the disciples will say just, in Jesus' name, pain gone. It's, your, it's, it's Jesus' spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that's, that's praying and that he is after, after you. So just uh, why don't you pray right now, just whatever the pain is, or if, if you can lay a hand on that area, it's fine. But if it's in a sensitive area, then, yeah, just always make sure it's okay to ask permission to lay hands. But I know you guys are family here, so uh, just lay hands and uh yeah, simple as whatever the issue is, we just declare how it's supposed to be in heaven is how it is here on earth. And come in alignment with heaven, all pain gone in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Pressure being released. Some of you might be feeling heat moving in your body where, where, the, where the hand is or where the pain was. And you'll realize that whatever the joint or the pain is, you're, you'll feel an increase of, of mobility. Um, also in ankles, if there's anyone in here that didn't even stand up, I felt like God was highlighting ankles right now. Uh, if you have ankle pain or uh, God's been healing ankles all throughout this week, even last night we had a little girl dancing in the front at the conference who had, who had uh, messed up her ankles so badly that um, after we prayed, she had full momentum, and she was dancing in the front at the end of the conference, came up to us, said, I haven't been able to dance or do anything like that uh, in so long. So if there's anyone in here with ankle pain, well, we just say, be healed in the name of Jesus. Now, whoever's around, if you're around them, just ask them, um, is the pain, uh, after we pray, is the pain the same? Has it gotten better or gotten worse? And don't feel any pressure to say, you know, just to get them, get them away from you. Or it's okay, please don't pray again. It's fine, you know. No, be, be truthful and, and, say, and, and let them know how it is. Is anyone feeling a shift or, or, or a heat or anything improving? If you could 
Yeah, raise your hand. Is anyone feeling a shift? Right over here. Thank you, God. And if you're comfortable, you can pray. Um, if, if you're, uh, we celebrate that, that, that there is something happening, but if you want to pray one more time, God, we thank you for what you're doing in, in your sons and daughters right now. We thank you, God, that you've done it before and you want to do it again right now. And Father, we just declare healing in Jesus' name. All pain. Leave in the name of Jesus. His blood was enough. So, if you, if you, I, I missed it. Um, could you, if you had anything change or shift or you sensed anything, just, would you just raise your hand, just wave at me. If you saw any change, okay, over there, right here. Okay, good, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that was encouraging for me um, and um, I just, um, um, can you get my water? And then I'm going um, to share the word here for just a little bit, but then we'll do some more ministry at the time. But one of the things that was encouraging for me was in the prayer room, they, they said that there's a, a large percentage of people that they get prayed for and they don't see anything happen until they get home or in the next day or two, and um, it, it gave encouragement for me as a prayer that if I didn't see anything happening right at the moment, to not lose hope. Because I, and, and they would say, hey, don't take responsibility when God heals people, and don't take responsibility if he does it at that moment. Just be a vessel. And that just gave me permission to go, you know what? God, you're doing stuff. And so I just, I also declare that those of you who didn't see any movement yet, that that's not the end of the story, that um, it might be while you're leaving and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait a minute, something just shifted there. So to keep your hopes up, all right? Well, I wanted to um, just share uh, something that the Lord's just been stirring in my heart. And um, I want to talk this morning for a little bit about building an intolerance for fear. Building an intolerance for fear. Um, a number of years ago, um, I had um, really one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. I was down in Australia, and uh, I got it opened up an opportunity to spend a month down there, and it was just me. My wife wasn't able to go, and so I thought, since I'm away from my wife, this would be a good time to go bungee jumping. And... Um, <laughs> And tell her afterwards about it. And, um, <laughs> and, and we, we were driving down the highway, and I saw this billboard. It's like bungee jumping in, you know. Uh, so, and it was actually out over the water. There, there was this big barge that they would, you know, take you out on. And um, there was a crane, and they would lift you up over, and you would jump, jump out of this perfectly good basket and um, <laughs> you'd dip down into the to the water you know it was in the bay there and so I thought that would be awesome and I was with a guy and I said listen we've got to go bungee jumping and 
I'll pay for yours if you go with me. And he's like, absolutely, you know. And so we went out and we got on the barge and um, thankfully he said, I'd like to go first. I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> and and we were both we were both talking like, okay, we're gonna go, we're gonna do swan dive, we're gonna we're gonna go big, it's gonna be awesome and beautiful. And so he gets in the basket first and they, you know, you're all strapped in by your ankles and they, they lift him up, and they move him out over the water, and he just, I mean, it was beautiful just seeing this. He jumps, and he's, it's just like he's flying, and then all of a sudden he goes, and he dips down, and I was like, yeah, you know, and, and so then now it's my turn, and um, so they get me all strapped in, and um, I'm in the basket, and um, it's, it's, you know, just a small basket, probably about as big as a stage, and about halfway up, my breathing starts to change. All of a sudden, I'm like, <sighs> and um, I started, <laughs> I started feeling very fearful. <laughs> and just, I don't know if you've ever had that, like when somebody's asked you to get up and speak or something, um, you know, just like involuntary things start happening to your body when you get nervous, just like, just involuntarily. All of a sudden, it's like my leg starts to shake. And I, I just, by the time we got all the way up, I am like, I am so tight. I am just panicking, you know? And um, the whole idea of um, doing this big, beautiful swan dive um, shifts to just surviving. And um, so I'm like, uh, uh, my breathing's doing weird things. My leg's shaking. And the guy opens the gate, and he goes, okay, mate. I'm going to go from three to one, and when I get to one, jump, you know, and it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, and so he goes three, two, one, and my hands won't let go of the cage, and it's really a strange thing because I'm looking at my hands, and it's like they weren't a part of me anymore, you know, and I'm kind of going, let go, let go, and they refused. They just refused to, and then um, he didn't need to do this. But I've come to find out after meeting some Australians that this is part of their, their nature. He starts making fun of me. And he, he's like, you know, talking about how much the people down on the barge are going to mock me if he has to take me back down in the cage. So, <laughs> so he's like, okay, I'm going to count again, and, and you just need to jump. And so he goes, three, two, one. My swan dive, my beautiful chest-out swan dive actually look more like, ah, <laughs> and I'm screaming all the way down, and I, and um, it, it, was, it was really the first time that I experienced terror, <laughs> and just how it affected, it affected my body, and um, that's maybe an extreme, maybe, anybody else bungee jump before, or, or skydive, yeah, oh, yeah, much respect, but, um, I just, I, I know that um, fear has the ability to do things to us, not just physically, but it actually has the ability to keep us and prevent us from stepping into everything that God has for us. Um, when we first went out to Bethel, I met a guy, his name was Richard Gordon, and um, when I met this guy, he's got dreadlocks, he's a young, young uh, guy, very passionate, and all of a sudden, I realized I have never met anybody 
that was more free and fearless in my life. There was just something about him. He's very childlike, very playful. And when you get around him, you just feel the ease that he carries. And he was very open and transparent. And he didn't give a, a rip about what anybody thought. And there's just something about him. I was like, I was just drawn. I wanted to hang around him because of the freedom that he carried. Well, um, a, a year later, we, my wife and I were having lunch with his wife, and she was talking about him, and she's going, yeah, it's really frustrating sometimes because, you know, Richard, sometimes when we make decisions, he has such an intolerance to fear that he won't make a decision if there's any fear involved in his heart, and he just will sit and fight it until he gets back to the place of peace, and then he'll make a decision. And she goes, sometimes it's a little frustrating because I'm sitting waiting for a decision to make, and he just absolutely refuses to have any fear in himself. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me, that's what I experienced. I encountered a man who had an intolerance to fear. And I've been working on this message for about two years now, not, not because I... Working in it, not to be able to preach it, but working on it so that I could live it. The last two years, I've been going after, it's like, I want to have an intolerance to fear. Fear is our enemy. Fear is not something that is to be tolerated because it goes against everything that God actually wants to do in us. There's a passage of Scripture in Galatians chapter 2 that we're going to look at. Um, I'm going to give you a little context, but um, we're going to look at the passage of Scripture in Galatians chapter 2 where Paul the apostle actually confronts Peter for his fear. And um, it's, it's a great story, and we'll get there in just a minute. But if you want to just go to Acts chapter 11, I want to give you a little context for that passage that we're going to look at in Galatians. Acts chapter 11. And I'm going to read verses 2 and 3 in a minute, but let me give you the context. Peter is um, he's up on, on, uh, in, in a living space, and he's, at, he's praying, and there's lunch being made for him. And all of a sudden, Peter goes into a vision where he sees, remember this, the, there was a, um, a cloth that was being lowered with all of these things, and um, God speaks to him, or an angel speaks to him and says, Peter, get up and eat. And it was stuff that as a Jewish man, he would not eat. And um, he goes, no, 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 Lord, not at all. And three times this happened, and it was a vision that God was giving to him that no longer was salvation just for the Jews, but it was also for the Gentiles. So there was this huge shift and a revelation that Peter was getting that now the gospel was beginning to cross the lines and that there was a going to be a revival that was going to take place that extended beyond what God was doing just in the Jewish people. And you, and you have to understand that was, a, a, that, was, that was like a huge major shift for his perspective. And of course, shortly after that, a couple of men from Cornelius's house who was not a Jew but was a Gentile uh, military leader, all of a sudden these two men came and God had spoken to Cornelius to go find a man named Peter and that he would come and tell them the gospel. 
Peter has the revelation that, that the gospel is to go to the um, Gentiles, and then all of a sudden at the door there are people that are looking for Peter. And, and God told him, go with them. Go with them. So he goes to Cornelius' house. And you remember this story. It's all in chapter 10 there. As he's talking, he's telling them about the gospel. All of a sudden, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? So Peter has this revelation. God breaks out among the Gentiles. There's a, re a revival that takes place. And then Peter goes back to Jerusalem. And if you look at chapter 11, verses 2 and 3, it says, So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him. They criticized him and they said, You went, up, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. And then it goes on. Peter gives his defense and explaining what had happened, that he had had this revelation. But there was this criticism that came against him. And, and let me, I'm going to just, I'm going to take it just a side road for a second. Just so you can see the, just the amazing things of scripture. It said, their accusation was that, Peter, you ate with uncircumcised people. Now, in the context of that day, and still in the Middle East, there, there is a significance of having a meal with somebody. When you would have a meal with somebody, what you were actually saying is, I fully accept you, you're accepted, and even if you come under my roof, I, you are guaranteed that I will defend you and protect you. A couple of years ago, I was in um, Afghanistan. I got an opportunity to speak at a leadership conference among some NGOs there, and I got the opportunity to have a, a traditional um, Afghani meal and we go in, and, and they have, uh, you know, rugs on the floor that we all sat on on the floor. And we, the way that we ate is they just put some big uh, pl plates of food in front of us, and everybody just used their hands. And you actually were sharing that same plate with, you know, three or four people, and everybody's just using their hands. But when we came in, they actually sat us away from the door up against the, the far wall. And as I was sitting there, one of the, the uh, NGO leaders said, do you know why you're sitting over here? And I was like, no, why? He said, because in these type of meals, these significant meals, he said, all the people that are at that end of the room, they're committed that if any, anyone came through that door to attack, they're committed because you're a leader. They're committed to defend you, and they'll even give their lives for you. And it was a humbling experience, but I began to realize, and as I studied um, just the whole idea of meals in the Bible, it's like there's a different mindset that was happening. So when they were accusing him of having a meal, it wasn't just, ah, uh, you know, you guys were sitting around eating cheeseburgers with people that are our enemies. The bigger statement was, you're actually accepting them as one of us. I encourage you sometime to go through and look at meals in the Bible. Psalm 23. He prepares a table for me where? In the presence of my enemy. We, we just think of like, oh, that's a nice little buffet. Actually, the bigger statement is, in the midst of my enemies, he's got me up against the wall, and he's going to be my defender and protector if enemies try to come through the door. Why would, why would Jesus use a meal as a symbolism 
for our salvation, about what he was going to do. Because when Jesus broke the bread and offered the, the wine, what he was saying is, you're fully accepted. You're no longer my enemy, and I will defend you. Okay. Back on track. Isn't the word fun? Okay, so Peter's accused of having a meal with people that were in a Jewish person's mind not accepted, and Peter was saying they're accepted now. Okay, let's go to Galatians. Galatians chapter 2. So Peter has come down to Antioch where Paul is at. um, Peter's been down and he's been ministering among the Gentiles. Remember, because he had had the revelation. So let's, I'm going to read this passage, and then I'm going to just pick out some things of how fear actually influences us. It says, but when Cephas, who's Peter, that's, that's um, you know, he remember Jesus renamed him Peter, but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. I just, I love picturing the scriptures. So you got, Paul, who tradition says he was really short, he's like up in Peter's face, you know, just, and it seems that Paul was not very subtle. I, I, you know, he was, it seems that he was pretty fiery and bold, and I just love this whole, just this picture in my mind of short, short Paul standing there just chewing Peter out. And it, and it goes on to say in verse 12, for before certain men came from James, now James was back in Jerusalem, before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. Okay, there it is again. Peter's eating with, and there's a sense of acceptance among the Gentiles that Peter's saying, I accept you as one of us. It goes on, but when they came, he drew back and separated himself feeling the circumcision party. I want to stop there for a second. It was the circumcision party that accused him and they criticized him for accepting the Gentiles. All of a sudden, probably some of those same people now came to Antioch, and it was, I believe, out of Peter's being accused of something that it planted a seed of fear in him. And some of you have had experiences in the past where you've been criticized. Some of you have had words spoken to you that, that really cut you, in, and, and it's actually put you in a position where you are influenced by fear. And that's what happened with Peter here, where a criticism and an accusation began to shut him down, and it began to allow fear to influence him. Verse 13, it says, And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas who was Paul's traveling companion, even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. I'm going to stop there, and I want to just look at some of the, some of the signs that you maybe are being influenced by, by fear. Now remember, fear is our enemy. It's really tempting when you start to think about fear, talk about fear. We, we like to diminish it a little bit. Like, well, you know, we just need to have some wisdom. You know, we, we just got to be wise in our decision. When a lot of times what I, we're really saying is, I'm afraid to make a decision. And so I'm just going to put a nice coating of wisdom on it. And if we were honest with ourselves, we'd say, actually, I'm really terrified about making a wrong decision. And so we just kind of soothe ourselves by, by acting like, well, we're actually looking for wisdom. And I'm not saying that wisdom's bad. 
But a lot of times we have to look at the motive of our heart. Am I, am I really afraid to make a decision here? But I, I just want to challenge you as I share some of these things that you just be honest with yourself and say, you know what? I think I've allowed fear to move into my house. It's like we wouldn't allow somebody who is um, untrustworthy or a robber, we wouldn't allow them to just come in and sit in our living room and say, well, you know, I know he steals a lot, and I know, I know that he threatens me a lot, but, but he's very handsome. You know, he's just a handsome robber, and it's like we, would, we wouldn't tolerate that. We would say, no, you're not allowed to come in here. I don't trust you. And you, you can't trust fear because it's going to steal from you. Okay, here are a few things. Notice in verse 12, it says that when, um, when the men came from James, that um, it says that Peter drew back. I want you to notice something. He was drawing back um, not just from people, but he was actually drawing back from the truth and the revelation that he had had that these people were accepted. One of the things that fear will do, will, it will cause you to begin to doubt truth. It will cause you to doubt your revelation. You can have God say to you, I'm going to provide for all of your needs. And, and that can even be like Peter had a vision. I mean, it wasn't just a, hmm, I just have a sense that we're supposed to go to the Gentiles. Peter has this supernatural encounter with a vision, very clear for him, but the subtlest amount of fear began to cause him to doubt that and pull back, pulling back from the truth and the revelation. We, we've all experienced that because you can, you can have God say to you very clearly, I'm going to provide for all of your needs. And all of a sudden, the, the, a little bit of fear starts to come into your heart. And if you tolerate it, all of a sudden, you'll start to doubt the very revelation that God's given to you, even if it was very dynamic and clear. Any of you have experienced that before? I'm raising my hand. That there are times that fear will actually cause you to doubt the truths that God's spoken to you. And that happened for Peter. There are things that you know are true, but that you're, you're doubting. It's always good to look and say, is, is there fear influencing that? Right? A second thing, specifically it says that he drew back. Peter... Peter was the leader of that movement. There's this revival and this movement happening. And rather than Peter stepping into his authority, because of fear, he pulls back. And he actually starts to diminish himself as a person of influence. Who was now influencing? It was the ones that had criticized him. And he made himself small. There might be some of you this morning that when you came this morning, because of fear, rather than showing up and being who you were designed to be and showing up strong, maybe you came into this room and you began to make yourself small. I'm around a lot of significant leaders at Bethel. And there have been a number of times where I've temp been tempted to, rather than showing up being myself, I'm like, oh, I better, I better make myself small because I'll, I'll feel intimidated. And one of my biggest challenges is to show up and grow up and just, <laughs> just be, just to be me and not feel like, oh, I've got nothing to say because there's, there's so many great leaders. 
Some of you maybe have struggled with that. And fear will always make you smaller than you really are. You see why we shouldn't into- have any tolerance for fear? Because it's, it always steals from you. It steals the truth from you. It steals the, the confidence that you have of who you are. And we see, see Peter actually drawing back and it's reducing him. In verse 12, it also says that he separated himself. Fear always distorts relationships. So he, Peter's building these relationships with these Gentiles, and all of a sudden, he, he, he shifts from accepting them to actually where he's rejecting them. All, all of the relationship struggles that we have can be traced back to fear. Either fear of being rejected, um, fear of losing control. Sometimes fear doesn't look like just shrinking away, but actually very controlling people are actually controlled by fear because it's like they're afraid that if we lose control here, I'm not going to have... I'm not going to have control, and so they'll control out of fear. And it can look like, wow, that person's really a strong, dominant person, and you wouldn't think they're afraid. But actually, their fear of losing control is what is driving them. It goes back to a fear. At times, it so distorts our relationship. Sometimes we're afraid of um, being vulnerable. I don't want anybody to see really what's going on inside of me. Because if they knew, if they knew that I struggle, if they knew some of the thoughts I had during worship, they, they would reject me. So what does fear do there? It actually creates an isolation. You start to separate yourself. And there's a lot of lonely people in church who can't connect heart to heart and it goes back to fear. Fear is actually isolating them. It's like, I don't want anybody to know. I don't want anybody to know that if there was an altar call, I should probably be down there, but if somebody sees me, they would maybe judge me. See how fear just, oh, fear is our enemy. We shouldn't tolerate, have any tolerance for fear. Verse 13 verse 13, we see that fear not only affects me, but you see fear starting to affect the people around Peter. All of a sudden, those that, were, that had been okay to eat with the, um, the Gentiles, then they join in this, and it even says that even Barnabas, Paul's traveling companion, his close comrade that they were together, all of a sudden, it starts to shift and it starts to influence people. Peter's decision to be afraid actually influenced people around them. There's an atmosphere that you carry. In the Greek, there's a word, and it's actually used in Corinthians. It's the word metron. And, it's, and Paul talks about his metron. He talked about his sphere of influence. And I don't know if you've ever been around somebody where they haven't even said anything, but all of a sudden you just start to feel anxious, or you start to feel, like, sad or uncomfortable. It's actually what you're doing is you're discerning. Your spirit is picking up what's happening around them. And sometimes it's really good to know that, okay, some of what you feel isn't actually you. It is actually maybe what you're picking up. There's a grocery store that um, my wife and I go to, and it's a funky environment spiritually. 
just um, um, you walk in, and I pretty regularly have to just keep my senses alert because I'll be walking around and just be crabby and frustrated, and I'm mad at avocados. Why are the avocados so hard? You know, and it just, all of a sudden, I'll catch myself. Thankfully, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen, you know. Um, um, it used to take longer for me to catch on. You know, it would take me clear to the dairy section to figure out that I was being under the influence of somebody else's junk. But uh, like now, I'm, I'm kind of going in prepared going, okay, if you sense something, don't pick it up. Just leave it at the store. Leave it at the store. But whatever you're under the influence of, it can actually influence people around you. It can influence your family. If, you are, if you're tolerating fear, you're actually sending out in the spirit realm and in the atmosphere around you an invitation for other people to be fearful. That's why you, you have to be really careful when you're looking at the news because the news is driven by fear. They're, they're actually using fear to try to get a message across to you. And, it, and there's a spiritual atmosphere that comes with that. I'm not saying be ignorant, but just be, a, be aware that if you are watching the news and you start to feel fearful, you're actually picking up on a spiritual atmosphere, and you need to not tolerate that. Say, I will not tolerate looking at the future of this country through the eyes of fear because fear's my enemy. But it, if it, your fear can actually influence people around you. One last thing. In verse 13, Paul says, uses the word hypocrisy. The word hypocrisy there is actually a term in the theater. It was for the mask that the, the actors would wear. And what he was saying is that Peter is pretending, he's, he's acting, he's put on a mask to present something, but it's not real. I grew up, I, grew up, um, I was a great actor in church. My dad was a pastor, and um, a lot of what I grew up learning, and even when I went to ministry training, I was trained, don't let people see your weaknesses because they won't respect you. And so I was handed a religious mask as a leader to say, put this on, because if people see what's behind the mask, they're not going to follow you as a leader. And it felt weird to me, but I did it. And um, nobody has ever complimented me on my acting as a, as a Christian. In fact, it's the big accusation against the church, and it has been, is that mm, they're not real. They're just, they're just they're hypocrites. And that's what fear does. Fear says, I've got to give you something what I think you want to see, even though what's behind it isn't the same. So you lead this fake dual life, and you're always trying to pretend like, oh, God is good, everything's good, I'm happy all the time. I wake up happy, glorious, hallelujah. When inside, sometimes we're lonely and we're hurting, and we're like, I don't have anybody to tell that to. And Peter, uh, Peter's being called out for wearing a mask and pretending among the Jews to be one thing, but before they came, he was something totally different. That's, what, that's all driven by fear. If you find yourself having trouble being real, it's just fear. It's just fear that's, that's been influencing you. I want to give you a couple of things to help you step out of fear. Are you done, in, done tolerating fear? 
it's not good. We should have a resistance. It's like a strong resistance that if you feel any fear, that you'd say, no, I'm not going to tolerate fear at all. Number one, just acknowledge fear as influence. It's the first step. It's just to say, ah, I, I sometimes am under the influence of fear. Uh, Andrew and I were talking about this over coffee this morning before we came. We had stopped at a, um, stopped at a coffee shop. And we were just like, man, we're not going to tolerate fear. We're going to be intolerant. And so we get up and we start to walk out. And <laughs> we get to the door and Andrew goes, I'll be back. And he actually turns around and he decided to have an intolerance for the fear of saying something to the people, the workers there, and telling them that Jesus loves him, or loves them. So Andrew turns around and he goes back in, and he just acknowledged the fear, and then he ran at it. And, and he went and told peop, the people that were working there that Jesus loved them and that, he care, that Jesus cares for them. That's the way that we need to deal with our fear. Just, I'm going to acknowledge it and not give it even, uh, I'm going to give it less than 15 seconds to influence me. And he, he just went after it. I was so proud of him. He just went after it. So acknowledge fear's influence. Second, break partnership with it. We have to break the partnership because some of us have partnered with fear. We've actually allowed fear to become our friends. We've allowed fear to become a normal lifestyle for us. Oh, I'm just a fearful person. I'm just anxious. I'm just kind of a nervous Nelly. I have the gift of worry. It's just a gift. And we need to just say, no, fear is an enemy, and I will not partner with with fear in anything that I do and if at any point I find myself starting to hook up with fear again I'm I'm gonna just fight that and resist that I have no partnership with fear fear is not my friend fear is my enemy third thing determined to have just a zero tolerance for fear zero tolerance not for a second if it comes knocking at my door I say no and if 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 I if I don't catch it, as soon as I catch it, I'm saying no. Don't beat yourself up. If you found yourself being influenced by fear, just say no. I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shame myself. I'm just gonna stand and oppose it as soon as I catch it. If its foot is in the door, I'm slamming the door. Number four. This is my favorite. Run to Father's love. What's the antidote to fear? love. Perfect love casts out fear. And if you just find yourself afraid, don't, don't oppose yourself. Just run to Father. Say, Father, oh, I'm really afraid here. I'm finding myself influenced in this relationship. I'm afraid to be honest with this person, or I'm afraid, I'm afraid to speak out. When I go to the grocery store, I'm afraid to tell anybody about Jesus. Just, just get lost in Father's love. Because his love is the antidote to your fears. And you'll start to like, oh, God loves me so much it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about me. And this is the last one. And this is only for those who um, really want to live hardcore. And this is only for the serious. And I I even hesitate to share this, but this is for the, the hardcore. Find a Paul. If you really want to go after your fear, find a Paul. Paul got up in Peter's face 
and confronted him. And if you really want to be free from fear, find somebody that's not going to be afraid to say, you know what? You're being really small right now. I noticed that when you came into the room, you all of a sudden got quiet and started to pull away. Why is that? It seems that you're wearing a mask because you're being one thing here and you're being another thing here. Now that's, that, that can be scary. But wouldn't having Paul up in your face be better than living under the domination of fear? It's only for the, the advanced, all right? Some of you need to just be, acknowledge this morning you got fear before you get somebody calling you out on it. But if you want to be free, we got to go after it. we got to go after it. I want to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you your first step. Acknowledge fear. And I'm going to have you stand in a second. If you are, you just became aware this morning, it's like, Ugh. and there's, there's some places that I've allowed fear to influence me. And, and if you even just me saying that, that I'm going to have you stand, started to tighten you up a little bit, like I didn't want anybody to know that, that's a good sign. That's a good sign that you probably should stand. So this morning, if you're here and you're saying, boy, I just, I've been in, in, under the influence of fear in, in, in the most subtle way where I've tolerated it, I want you to just stand real quickly. Awesome. What you're saying is like, I'm done tolerating it. I'm not going to let, let it influence me. Awesome. I'm going to just lead you in breaking partnership with it. That's really the first step of just saying, I'm, I'm no longer going to tolerate this, and I'm breaking my partnership that I've made with fear, even if it's just the most subtle little fear. Maybe you've been tempted to, de- to, mi- to minimize it or call it something else so it didn't feel so fearful, but we're just going to break partnership with it. And I'll, I'll give you some words to say if you just want to repeat after me, but don't, don't just say the words. Say it from your heart and really standing, and all of you just need to square, square your shoulders. Stand there like Fear cannot uh, be tolerated in you. You're going to confront this thing. So right now, Jesus, I just pray as we confront fear that the power of fear would be broken off of us. And as we break partnership, that things will shift and that fear no longer gets a voice. So I want you to repeat after me. Fear, I break partnership with you. That was pretty good. We're saying it with confidence and boldness. I will no longer listen to your suggestions or threats. You no longer have a say in who I am. Or what I can or cannot do. Or how I will relate to people around me. In Jesus' name, I am free from your influence. Okay, in Jesus' name, we just declare freedom from fear. We, we resist fear at every level. And I just, I pray for a heightened awareness now that if fear subtly gets in there, that we'll just react to it. We'll just say, no, I will not tolerate you. And we're going to get really good at living free from fear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Pastor. Wow.
come up after that. Just a minute. This is what we're going to do. We're going to just, uh, we're going to receive an offering for Tracy Rice and his ministry. And uh, I just encourage you, if the Lord's blessed you, if Tracy's blessed you, it's appropriate to bless him. And uh, so whatever the Lord would lay on your heart there. And, um, and then I'm going to invite him back up and we're just going to have church after church as long as you want to stay. Uh, the worship team, actually the worship team, you could, you can come here if, um, if you'd like. Uh, and ushers, why don't you come? Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you for provision. We thank you for blessing. Lord, would you bless Tracy and Andrew's socks off? Oh, God, take them higher, farther, further, faster in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that they, uh, um, as they were talking about us being igniters, Lord, I thank you that they have come and had been igniters this morning with us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Ushers, why don't you go ahead and, and start and uh, and then and Tracy and Andrew, um, we're just and, and as long as you can stay, I want you to stay. And if you ever have to leave, you can leave. Don't feel any guilt, shame, and condemnation about that at all. And they're going to minister. I think our ushers are going to be bringing our children in here in just a minute, so our children can be part of of this uh, this altar ministry time. So have at it, man. Thanks. As long as you want to go. Um, just a minute. I'm going to ask that. Um if you're just in this place of maybe maybe you're you're fiery inside and you're just saying I want more fuel on that fire because there are some of you that you're just you're so thrilled about what's been happening over the last several weeks of what God's doing here and we just want to add fuel and we want to ha- we're going to have you come down front we're going to pray for you but equally there are some of you like there's some little puffs of smoke but I want more. I want more. I want, I want to have that fire. And here's a great thing is that God never condemns you into um, passion. He invites you into it. So there's no condemnation. Maybe you've had a hard year last year. Maybe you're weary. Maybe it feels like God's voice has gone silent. But you're this morning saying, you know, I'm just hungry for that connection again. Or I'm hungry. Maybe you've been away for a bit spiritually. You've just kind of been on vacation. And Jesus is just saying, welcome home. Welcome home. Don't, don't stay away. Just come back. And then we're going to have a great fire. We're going to have a great time together. So I'm going to ask that everyone would stand. And if, if that connected with you, all Andrew and I are going to do we're just going to come and we're, we're, we're believing that just by us simply touching you, that God's fire is going to touch you and it's going to ignite some things. Some of you have dreams that you let set aside and he's going to reignite those and all of a sudden this passion is going to come back for something that maybe years ago you let go, for, go of. If that's you, if you're hungry at all, to, maybe you're just like you want to be hungry to be hungry. Maybe that's where you're at. It's like, I don't have hunger, but I want to be at least hungry. Uh, would you just respond? You can come down front and just all across the front. We're just going to work our way across, and we will pray. But get ready, because things change whenever fire touches people. God's going to bring great freedom.
If you can, yeah, spread out a little bit more. There's more. Here's, here's one last instruction. I, I grew up, I grew up having my head shoved when I got prayed for, and I didn't like it. <laughs> any, of you, any of you had that? <laughs> I'm not a shover. We're not shovers. I just want to ask that you just hold your hands out, and it's just in a position of receiving, but not just your hands. Open up your, open up your heart. And all we're going to do is we're just going to come touch your hands and just whatever God wants to do, he might, he, might, uh, he might shake you, that's okay. Or you might feel nothing, but it doesn't matter because God's presence will change you if you just believe, if you just believe. So get ready to receive. into the room everything changes darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring when you walk into the room every heart starts